the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is engineering and producing today's program as Clark Hilton is on vacation. Today on the program, we're going to share a conversation with Jay Richards, author of The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. That's coming up uh, in the third segment of the first hour of today's program. Jay Richards uh, will be my guest. Taking a look at some of the day's headlines, a gunman killed a student in a North Carolina high school shooting today during a uh, an event in North Carolina. And a suspect is uh, was just hours ago still on the loose. I heard before the program began today that apparently they have apprehended the suspect, who is another student. The shooting occurred at Mount Tabor High School in Winston-Salem. The Forsyth County Sheriff's Office tweeted, all other students were safe, were being taken to the Harris um, Teeter Grocery Store, where they were reunited with their parents. Well, the sheriff's office named a local YMCA site earlier. The Winston-Salem Police Department said there was a disturbance at the site, but a possibly second shooting had not been confirmed. Well, the injured student was taken to hospital. Their injuries were not disclosed, but we learned later in the day that student did not survive his injuries. In a news conference, a police spokesperson confirmed that the student had died. Uh, we and the WSPD have secured the campus and are doing everything possible to keep students safe, the sheriff's office said. We are actively investigating what happened and will share confirmed information when appropriate. In other news, uh, President Biden said on Tuesday that al-Qaeda has been decimated in Afghanistan after referring to the terrorist group as gone in a statement last week, prompting pushback from some foreign policy experts who say the opposite is the case. We delivered justice to bin Laden on the 2nd of May in 2011, over a decade ago. Al-Qaeda was decimated, the president said Tuesday during his first address to the nation since the U.S. completed its uh, military withdrawal from the country. Note, I didn't say mission, but military withdrawal. The president went on to say we succeeded in what we set out to do in Afghanistan, although he had promised that every U.S. citizen who wanted to leave the country would be uh, taken from the country by the U.S. military. He said we succeeded in what we set out to do in Afghanistan over a decade ago, and we stayed for another decade. It's time to end the war. Now, that's not the issue that's being disputed at this point. Bill uh, Raggio, who's a senior fellow at the Nonprofit Foundation for Defense of Democracies and editor of Long War Journal, said the president's contention that al-Qaeda had been crushed in Afghanistan was, well, untrue. It's the same old, same old. They've done this. They've said this uh, in order to justify their withdrawal from Afghanistan, he uh, said, adding that the narrative of downplaying al-Qaeda's presence in the region has been parroted by the last three administrations in order to sway public support to withdraw. This is a classic example of politicization of intelligence. The policy required withdrawal. In order to justify the policy, you had to manipulate the intelligence to allow the policy 
to have legs. Well, Raggio said that facts on the ground don't match the president's rosy assessment of al-Qaeda's decline and cited a recent report that an al-Qaeda operative who served as Osama bin Laden's security chief was escorted through Afghanistan by a Taliban convoy. That should tell you everything you need to know about the current state of the relationship and the future in that country. He said on Twitter and confirmed on in an interview on Fox News that the official estimates of how many al-Qaeda operatives are in Afghanistan are likely far lower than the actual number. He also dismissed the narrative being put out that working with al-Qaeda is not in the Taliban's best interest. And again, we'll continue to follow this story as we're being told that they're going to analyze all of the decisions that were made now that the mission has been accomplished. Biden trusted the enemy in Afghanistan, the grieving mom of a slain U.S. soldier, says Paula Naus, mother of fallen Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Naus, is pointing fingers at the administration for the death of her son during America's messy withdrawal from Afghanistan. The grieving mother stressed a call for accountability on the Ingram angle on Tuesday, starting with President Biden for trusting the enemy instead of putting the best interests of U.S. troops, Afghan allies and all Americans first. She said the president of the United States has the ability to help our troops have enough men and women to stay safe. She said in all of our history and all of the time that we have been fighting, where did you leave these men and women? But at one airport, one location, one gate to funnel thousands through. And who did you trust? You trusted our enemy to allow who would come through. In other developments, the mother of a Marine killed in Kabul said Biden rolled his eyes when she remembered her son during their meeting. The family of fallen Marine Corporal Dagan Page uh, says they they, um, are humbled and uplifted by how many people are honoring their son. And the U.S. ambassador is accusing Blinken of leaving hundreds of Afghan women behind to die in the botched evacuation. A California family stranded in Afghanistan. Uh, And seven others have been evacuated. And an Oklahoma congressman allegedly threatened embassy staff while trying to enter Afghanistan. This is prior to the withdrawal of U.S. troops. Well, Taliban supporters held mock funerals with coffins draped with American and NATO member flags. Photos emerged yesterday showing supporters in Afghanistan holding a mock funeral while hoisting coffins draped with flags. From the U.S. and other NATO countries, Reuters obtained some of the photos that were taken uh, in coast on Tuesday, less than a day after the U.S. last uh, troops left the country after nearly 20 year engagement. The U.S. completed its withdrawal from Afghanistan late Monday, ending America's longest war, at least this phase of it, this version of it, and closing a chapter in military history likely to be remembered as the uh, colossal failure, unfulfilled promise and a frenetic exit of 123,000, not to mention those who were not allowed to leave. The Reuters report said footage from the mock funeral was shared widely on social media. Taliban leaders took over control of Kabul. The airport on Tuesday marked the departure of the U.S., the last plane from the country by taking a symbolic walk around the airport, sole runway, according to a report. Meanwhile, Sean Hannity says the Taliban knew they'd be obliterated if they reared their head under Trump. At least he meant what he said. Defiant Biden takes responsibility for his decision to withdraw the troops from Afghanistan while touting the mission as a success. The president also declared that Al Qaeda is decimated. That's um, being uh, disputed as well. An Afghan interpreter who helped rescue Biden in 2008 was left behind after the U.S. exit and begging the president to help him. Damage from Hurricane Ida has left uh, 
Grand Isle uninhabitable, a Louisiana parish leader says. The fury of the hurricane has left the barrier island community of Grand Isle uninhabitable. A search and rescue caravan traveling to the Jefferson Parish community was able to arrive by road, but 10 to 20, uh, rather 10 to 12 levee breaks on the Gulf of Mexico side of the island left 100 percent of homes and other structures damaged, with nearly 40 percent of them totally destroyed or nearly destroyed, according to the parish president. In addition, the island located about 111 miles south of New Orleans was covered with about three feet of sand. Grand Isle police uh, say that um, other officers awaited um, the uh, passage of the hurricane inside the town police station. I had all the police officers move into the building for safety, and then, well, everything happened. Roofs started to come apart. We could see buildings flying into uh, pieces across the street from us. If something that you uh, just don't want ever to see again. In other developments, a Mississippi highway collapsed, killing two and injuring at least 10. Rescue efforts continue in Louisiana after Ida weakened to a tropical depression. And Austin Hotel Group is offering 100 free rooms to Hurricane Ida evacuees. Meanwhile, a U.S. Navy helicopter crashed off the San Diego coast yesterday. One has been rescued while five are still missing. And among those uh, on the vehicle that I should say the ship that they Uh, were launched from, are also injured. Idaho's governor and lieutenant governor are feuding over vaccinations, and Jaguar's Urban Meyer admits his vaccination status was a factor when cuts were made to the final roster. The forecast to warn Social Security funds could run out of money sooner than expected, and Amherst College requires vaccinated students to double mask Um, where they will also be forbidden from local restaurants and bars. President Biden still lacks an FDA chief more than seven months into his presidency and during a pandemic. And Walmart says it's ready to administer millions of COVID-19 vaccine boosters. Meanwhile, three FDA uh, officials have resigned because the FDA has not um, said that these boosters are, in fact, in the public's best interest. And the president went ahead making the announcement anyway. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a break and be back in a moment. Also, we'll hear from Jay Richards, author of The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I want to remind you, coming up, Jay Richards, The Price of Panic, How the Tyranny of Experts Turned a Pandemic into a Catastrophe. Also want to let you know we've got some new programming coming up here on our station. In touch with Dr. Uh, Charles Stanley is joining the family on True Talk 800. Um, through In Touch, Dr. Stanley's deepest desire is to lead people and churches into a stronger and growing relationship with God. You can listen to that program on our sister station, True Talk 800, weekdays at 3.30 p.m. Also, Alan Jackson Ministries coming to uh, True Talk 800, welcoming a new daily program with Alan Jackson, who is senior pastor of World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro. I always have a hard time with that uh, town's name in Tennessee. He believes that the truth of the Bible is living, powerful and applicable to our lives today. And his message reflects um, uh, putting our faith into practice and being doers of the word, not hearers only. You can listen to his teaching weekdays at four on True Talk 800. If you just happen to be, you know, on an off day and you're not 
listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Uh, finally, Key Life Network with Steve Brown is back. We're welcoming Steve Brown with Key Life Network here on 93.9 KPDQ weekdays at 9.30 p.m. Steve works to communicate the inspiring truth of the grace we have in Christ Jesus, uh, how we can apply that truth to our daily lives as well as sharing it with others. That program will be airing weekdays at 9.30 p.m. right here on 93.9 KPDQ. So welcome to new programmers on our AM and FM station. Well, the BBC is reporting that Taliban reprisal killings are accelerating, as expected. There's growing evidence that the reality on the ground is different from the rhetoric coming from Taliban leaders and spokesmen saying that, you know, we're the new and improved Taliban. It was not lost on some watching the press conference in Kabul that Mr. Mujahid made. Uh, he made a declaration from the seat of the former government spokesman, Don um, or Dawa Khan, uh, who had been killed by the group just weeks earlier as punishment for his deeds. Now, sources inside Afghanistan, as well as some who recently fled, have told the BBC that Taliban fighters are searching for and allegedly killing people. They pledged they would leave in peace. Several sources confirmed that Taliban fighters last week executed two senior police officials, uh, the security director of um Badgis uh, province and another area security director Farah. Well, I won't even try to make the pronunciation video footage showed uh, that he was kneeling blindfolded with his hands tied behind his back before he was shot. Those who managed to flee say they fear for their colleagues back at home. Jim Garrity, who has been following the story of a man desperately trying to get his company's former employees out of the country, says the State Department is sending an a um, ominous message that all but tells them to hide and pray for a miracle. Despite what we're being told here, we will continue to get our people out. A look at hundreds of journalists Biden chose to abandon, but were helped by networks all across the uh, the dial a Virginia Supreme Court sided with a teacher calling students by scientific pronouns. The Supreme Court upheld a lower court ruling in June that reinstated Loudoun County public school teacher Tanner Cross, who ruled that the school system violated his free speech after he was suspended. Following a school board meeting, the school system suspended Cross, who works at Leesburg Elementary, citing the disruption um, uh, he uh, his comments caused at the school. He cited his religious beliefs at a board meeting where officials had been debating changes to the policies in its treatment of transgender students. The Canadian prime minister is seeking to enhance the power given to him by the covid pandemic. I fear he's not alone. Canadian prime minister Justin Trudeau is revealing the globalist uh, plans to use the tactics and restrictions implemented during the uh, Wuhan coronavirus pandemic to gain power on other issues. Trudeau also said what we learned from this covid crisis, we will be applying to the climate crisis. And of course, we're seeing that here in the U.S. as well, not necessarily applying it specifically to the climate crisis, but exploring the new power that has been gained through this uh, period. Preparation after Katrina helped New Orleans avoid a repeat disaster with Hurricane Ida. They struck exactly six years apart, or rather 16 years apart with similar force, but the results were drastically different, thankfully. Well, the California water supply has dwindled as reservoir projects never got off the ground. The story notes that in 2014, in the middle of a severe drought that would test California's complex water storage system like never before, Voters told the state to borrow $7.5 billion and use part of it to build projects to stockpile more water. 
Seven years later, that drought has come and gone, replaced by an even hotter and drier one that's draining the state's reservoirs at an alarming rate. But none of the more than half dozen water storage projects scheduled to receive that money have been built. An Ohio State freshman quarterback signed a $1.4 million deal to sign autographs in a three-year deal. Ohio State freshman. An NFL coach admits players' vaccination status played a role in final cuts. The story explains that Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer said that he considered a player's vaccination status before there were stricter COVID-19 protocols against an unvaccinated player who tested positive for the virus or if they were considered a high-risk close contact. Well, in his remarks, the president touted the extraordinary success in Afghanistan, but then he blamed Donald Trump in a contradictory address to the nation. Can't have it both ways. The Pentagon has acknowledged Americans are, in fact, stranded in Afghanistan, despite Jen Psaki claiming the term was irresponsible and offensive. The White House dodged on a bombshell report that the Taliban offered U.S. control of Kabul. And before the Afghan collapse, President Biden pressed President Ghani to change the perception of the Taliban, even If he had to lie, Taliban supporters held mock funerals uh, in the country once the U.S. left and the administration told refugee organizations to prepare for up to 50,000 Afghans without visas. The mom of one of the Marines killed in Kabul wrote a scathing message to the president and is um, uh, silenced by his big tech buddies. Nancy Pelosi blocked the GOP from reading the names of slain U.S. troops. And the U.S. Supreme Court has allowed Texas' six-week abortion ban to take effect. The Social Security Trust Fund is now projected to run out of money in 12 years. And Ilhan Omar may may have committed a felony by concealing her book royalties in the required financial disclosure form. The Texas legislature has finally passed their election integrity bill that sent some Democrats running to Washington, D.C. Hurricane Ida's fury hit U.S. oil production and gasoline supplies. The Virginia Supreme Court backed a teacher who'd been ousted for rejecting trans policies. And a California teacher faces an official investigation for leading a pledge of allegiance to the queers, as the teacher put it. An Indiana school district segregated teachers into race and gender affinity groups. Well, on this day in history, 1807, former Vice President Aaron Burr is found not guilty of treason. 1923, the Japanese cities of Tokyo and Yokohama are devastated by an earthquake that claims some 140,000 lives. 1939, World War II begins as Nazi Germany invades Poland. 1942, U.S. District Judge Martin Welsh ruling from Sacramento, California, on a lawsuit brought by the American Civil Liberties Union on behalf of Fred Korematsu, upholds the wartime detention of Japanese Americans as well as Japanese nationals. 1961, the Soviet Union ends a moratorium on atomic testing with an above-ground nuclear explosion in Central Asia. On this day in history, 1969, a coup in Libya brings Muammar Gaddafi to power. 1985, a U.S. French expedition locates the wreckage of the Titanic on the floor of the Atlantic Ocean, roughly 400 miles off Newfoundland. And finally, on this day in history, 2004, more than a thousand people are taken hostage, hostage rather, by heavily armed Chechen militants at a school in Beslan in southern Russia. More than 330 people, more than half of them children, would be killed in the three-day ordeal. Well, Joe Biden's open border policies is policy rather is predicted um, to result in 
record uh, migrants losing their lives at a record rate. Well, the uh, the uh, policy that's predicated on the oft touted idea that it's more compassionate than Donald Trump's wall. By contrast to that wall and the enforcement it symbolizes, which indeed was aimed at preventing uh, illegal um, uh, aliens from entering the country, Biden's policy has been interpreted as a giant flashing welcome sign. And as a result, the number of migrants caught illegally crossing the border has skyrocketed to records not seen in over two decades, as more than 1.4 million people have been detained just since Biden took office. And the death toll among those attempting to come into the country has also skyrocketed. We need to take a break. When we return, we'll talk with Jay Richards. The price of panic. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. There's a new Texas law. It bans abortions after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. It went into effect today, this morning, after the U.S. Supreme Court and a federal appeals court failed to act on emergency requests to stay that law. The law was signed by Governor Greg Abbott in May. It's been challenged by various abortion providers. A fetal heartbeat can usually be detected at about the sixth week of pregnancy. Twelve other states have passed fetal heartbeat bills, but they've all been struck down by the courts, making Texas the first state to successfully implement the measure According to the Associated Press, well, the Texas legislature worked together on a bipartisan basis to pass a bill that I'm about to sign that ensures that the life of every unborn child who has a heartbeat will be saved from the ravages of abortion. That's a quote from Governor Abbott before signing the legislation. Well, Supreme Court's uh, precedent prohibits the banning of abortion before the point of fetal viability, which usually occurs around 20 weeks, but has been reduced in recent years thanks to medical advances. In an attempt to head off potential lawsuits, state officials in Texas are barred from enforcing the new law. Instead, it grants private citizens from anywhere in the U.S. the right to sue someone who helps a woman have an abortion in Texas. The woman having an abortion cannot be sued under the new law. Abortion providers and anyone involved in bringing about the procedure, including someone who drives a woman to an abortion clinic, would be subject to a $10,000 penalty if sued. A suit aiming to challenge a law as unconstitutional could name state officials and defendants, or rather as defendants. The law would immediately and catastrophically reduce abortions, abortion access rather, in Texas, barring care for at least 85% of Texas abortion patients, those who are six weeks pregnant or greater, and likely forcing many abortion clinics ultimately to close. Abortion clinics and providers um, stated in their emergency application to the U.S. Supreme Court to state the law. Well, the Supreme Court is set to consider a challenge to Roe versus Wade in the coming terms, which begins in October. The case concerns a Mississippi law which bans abortions after 15 weeks. President Biden asserted that a new Texas law banning abortions after uh, the detection of the fetal heartbeat is blatantly uh, blatantly violates the Roe versus Wade law. In a written statement on Wednesday, the president weighed in. The Texas law, he said, will significantly impair women's access to the health care they need. Abortion as health care, of course, particularly for communities of color and individuals with low incomes. Now, to emphasize Communities of color who disproportionately have abortions, which was Margaret Margaret Sanger's uh, dream and plan from the uh, from the very beginning as a eugenicist, I find particularly 
unpleasant. The president added that my administration is deeply committed to the constitutional right established in Roe versus Wade nearly five decades ago and will protect and defend that right. Close quote. Well, the law went into effect today after the Supreme Court declined to take the act up in an emergency uh, request for a stay. A pro, um, pro-Antifa California public school teacher touted his efforts to radicalize his students through political indoctrination in his classroom in a conversation captured on a video and relayed by Project Veritas. And this is one of the things that many parents fear is taking place in classrooms around the country. Now, I can't say whether or not it is at large scale, but it is happening. Uh, the teacher admits in, uh, to do- indoctrinating students, saying, I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. He is pro-Antifa and even displays the flag in his classroom. Gabriel Geip is an AP um, government teacher um, at um, Endercombe High School in the uh, United School District in Sacramento, California. He described himself as probably as far left as you can go, and he's entitled to be as far left as you can go. He said he has asked the question, like, why aren't people just um, taking up arms? Like, we can't, or why can't we, uh, you know, take up arms against the state in the video? Well, I'm not sure why he isn't, but he wants kids in his classroom to consider doing just that. And again, he said, I have 180 days to turn students into revolutionaries. Scare, and he uses expletives, um, to scare them um, in a serious way, he says in the video. He said he posts a calendar every week showing Antifa-aligned protests and community events, explaining that his he incentivizes students' participation through extra credit and noting that without this um, incentive, they'll never go. When they go, they take pictures, write up a reflection. That's their extra credit. Now, if you attended a pro-life event, a rally or demonstration of some sort, you would not be eligible for that extra credit. Well, Gripe, uh, or rather Gipe, uh, said he has an Antifa flag on his classroom wall about which at least one student complained. He says he uh, told the student, well, this Antifa flag is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable. So if you feel uncomfortable, I don't really know what to tell you. In other words, if you disagree with him, you are a fascist. Maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the values that is uh, that this Antifa flag is antithetical to Guype added well he said he makes students uh, take an ideology quiz and displays each student's results on his classroom wall i put their face they have to give me a picture of themselves and i put it on the wall where they are Guype said um, every year students get further and further left Guype said there are more teachers than there used to be who are like himself there are three other teachers in my department that I did my credential program with, and they're rad, short for radical. Uh, they're great people. They're def- uh, definitely on the same page. Well, teacher Gipe said that we can look back at groups like the Black Panthers and learn from their successes and their mistakes, as well as consistently focusing on education and a change of cultural propaganda. We know to convince people that this is actually what we need. I've met so many people in my life who, when they met me, thought I was off the wall, and now they're all Marxists, he told um, the interviewer in that video. Well, the Unified School District prides itself on being named the second most diverse school district in the nation in a 2016 New York Times study, according to its website. Guype, the teacher, cited Sacramento's, uh, Sacramento's diversity, but said the city is surrounded by a bunch of right-wing rednecks. So if you disagree with him, you're a fascist. And a right wing redneck. It doesn't matter if you can't produce red on your neck. 
as in many brown people. Well, the school district said it was aware of the video and the statement sent to the Daily Caller News Foundation. The district recognized concern from parents and community members and said it would be looking into the matter. That's the stock answer. We'll look into the matter. It doesn't say we're going to change it. We're going to put an end to it. We're just going to look into it as if they didn't have any idea this was taking place and take appropriate actions as necessary. Well, district policy explicitly states whenever civic education includes topics that may be controversial due to political beliefs or other influences, instruction shall be presented in a balanced manner that does not promote any particular viewpoint. The school said in its statement that is always uh, the expectation. However, that's not what's happening in that classroom. We'll follow that story to find out what measures they're willing to and ultimately take in that case. Meanwhile, Harvard has broken free of its roots, founded by the Puritans nearly 400 years ago as an institution to ensure that the clergy serving the nation Massachusetts colony would be literate and trained properly. There's no question that Harvard University's eventual ascension to become a household name among colleges, a rise that's built the massive financial endowment it's been blessed with, would eventually lead it down a path that its founders may have decried as far too worldly. Well, case in point is the curious but unanimous selection to lead the college's 40-plus chaplains. It's a group the school describes as a professional community representing many of the world's religions, spiritual, and ethical traditions who share a collective commitment to serving the spiritual needs of the students, faculty, and staff at Harvard. And it will now be led by Greg Epstein, an atheist who authored a book called Good Without God, What a Billion Non-Religious People Do Believe. Well, as the New York Times described it, though, Epstein was a representative choice. Uh, One student described Epstein as a leader who wasn't about theology, but instead brought people together who weren't necessarily religious, echoing that sentiment. Uh, Epstein himself told the Times, we don't look to a God for answers. We are each other's answers. Uh, What could go wrong? One wonders. Well, Epstein also provides answers for students at MIT, where he fills similar roles. And while he uh, professes to be an atheist, he is ordained as a humanist rabbi, as uh, designated from the International Institute for Secular Humanistic Judaism. Nor should it be a surprise that he also served as the national chair of humanists for Biden-Harris. Well, while most um, reading this uh, article that was published by Michael Schwartz dismiss his selection just as another sign of the fall of a once venerable institution that's now more um, valuable as a cachet than as a truly educational institution. The noteworthy aspect about this story is the acceptance of this selection by the Harvard community with nearly a peep of protest, save from outside outlets around the country. Well, based on mainstream media coverage of his selection, people in the Harvard community are just hunky-dory with the choice. One possible reason for this is revealed in an interview with Epstein he did with NPR after being chosen. He said, a group that I've worked with in the past and currently is the Secular Student Alliance. It's a national group of humanists, atheists, and agnostic students around the country. They'll tell you that their um, strongest chapters, their biggest presence, is in the Deep South and the other most conservative religious areas of this country because there are enormous numbers of young people who are in those areas who feel oppressed by a lack of inclusion religiously an overwhelming association between morality and religion, and they are looking for an alternative. Now, this should be a heads up for those who are committed to sharing the gospel. Oppressed by a lack of inclusion. Well, that's an interesting choice of words for a man who works at a school where nearly four out of ten incoming students are agnostic or atheist and barely a third identify as Catholic or Protestant. 
That trend fairly reflects the balance of the country among that age group. If anyone should be oppressed by a lack of inclusion at Harvard, it would be the conservative Christian student. Well, um, them and Asians, but we digress. Knowing the school's recent reputation, how many Christians dare apply and how many of those would be accepted? The choice of Epstein as head chaplain reflects the information silo that Harvard and other Ivy League schools have become. Kids have bristled at authority for generations, enough so that rebellious teens have been a constant theme of comedy and tragedy for, well, centuries. Recent generations, though, haven't mastered the concept of growing out of that rebellious stage like most mature people do. Secular humanism is, to a great extent, the logical extension of turn on, tune in, drop out, or we believe we are the masters of ourselves, or to borrow Barack Obama's phrasing, the ones we have been waiting for. As founded, Harvard's motto was, Truth for Christ and the Church. Once the institution unmoored itself from biblical truth, however, that motto became obsolete. An atheist chaplain at a formerly Puritan university is just more proof of that very fact. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back to wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, the state of California and Los Angeles have agreed to pay $800,000 in legal fees to settle their lawsuit with John MacArthur's church over COVID-19 lockdown rules. Well, Grace Community Church in Sun Valley had been involved in months of legal battles with the state and local officials over his refusal to adhere to ongoing lockdown restrictions. Jenna Ellis of the Thomas More Society helped to represent the church, posted a statement on Twitter Tuesday celebrating the $800,000 settlement. We are very pleased to see Pastor MacArthur and Grace Community Church's First Amendment protections fully vindicated in this case, read the statement. It has been a hard-fought battle to preserve religious liberty, and we hope this result will encourage Californians and all Americans to continue to stand firm um, that church is essential. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors agreed to the settlement, its amount being $400,000, due in part to recent U.S. Supreme Court rulings that overturned various public health measures in response to COVID-19 that specifically targeted houses of worship. After the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that some public health safety measures could not apply to houses of worship, resolving this litigation is the responsible and appropriate thing to do. The county's uh, Council uh, was quoted as saying in the Los Angeles Daily News from the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, Los Angeles County has been committed to protecting the health and safety of its residents. We are grateful to the county's uh, faith organizations for their continued partnership to keep their congregants and the entire community safe and protected from COVID-19. Last August, John MacArthur and his church sued California over its ongoing ban on indoor worship services in response to the coronavirus. And although Grace Community Church had initially adhered to the state lockdown rules, they returned to in-person worship in defiance of the state's ongoing public health orders. California has no such power to determine whether churches are essential as the federal and state constitutions have already done so, the lawsuit argued. Meanwhile, a bit closer to home, a lot has happened since um, the documentary Sworn to Protect, a difficult conversation, uh, given uh, the gun violence that we've seen in this area. It continues to surge throughout uh, 2021 on pace to be the deadliest year in Portland since the early 1990s. A morale in the Portland Police Bureau has reached a new low point, according to the union, and the divide between police and City Hall is only getting wider. Well, Portland police uh, say that they can't run efficiently at current staff levels 
according to the police union. Well, is an officer shortage contributing to the city's problems? Well, it depends on who you ask. The mayor said Portland has a scaled down police bureau. He called staffing levels inadequate. However, others like Commissioner Joanne Hardesty disagrees. The police role today is very oversized, she says. Uh, They should really be problem solvers and crime solvers, period. The perception that police prevent crime is not real. Well, they disrupt crime. I don't think anyone thinks they prevent it. They only respond to crime when it's in progress. They don't prevent crime, she goes on to say. Police show up after the crime has been committed, and their job is to figure out who did it and then fix it, Hardesty said. Well, that's an uh, overly simplified um, review of what police officers do. But that opinion is disputed by police, and it seems at least one city commissioner disagreed that police can't prevent crime, specifically gun violence. Commissioner Mingus Mapes uh, touted city investments and community organizations, but said more is needed to be done. Prevention is a forward thinking and progressive approach that will have an impact in the medium and long term. We also need to admit that law enforcement has an essential role in interpreting this cycle of homicide, uh, homicides actually interrupting. Well, Maps um, said after a string of deadly shootings in early August, city council needs to get real and recognize that there are good police officers that specialize in this type of work. Well, to have someone from the Portland City Council make the statement publicly, there are good police officers. It is at least something of a start, but not nearly enough at this point. Well, the primary Social Security trust fund for retirees will run out of money in 2033, one year earlier than previously estimated. That's according to an annual report that was released yesterday. The Old Age and Survivors Insurance, or OASI, trust fund, which provides benefits for retirees, will run out of money by the end of 2033, according to the report. Tax revenue will cover just 76 percent of its scheduled benefits after that year. The Disability Insurance Trust Fund, which provides disability benefits, is funded through 2057, eight years earlier than last year's projection. And while the OASI and DI trust funds are administered separately, the trustee said a hypothetical um, combined Social Security fund would only be able to make payments until 2034, one year earlier than previously expected. The government would be able to cover 78 percent of scheduled benefits. Medicare will run out of its current funding by 2026. This is 2021, by the way. Just wanted to remind you, matching previous estimates. Well, the Social Security and Medicare boards of trustees said they altered their forecast to account for the impact of COVID-19, the pandemic, and corresponding financial downturns, which hurt payroll and income tax revenues, utilizing um, uh, the funds for the program. The finances of both programs have been significantly affected by the pandemic and the recession of 2020, the trustees said, regarding Social Security and Medicare. Members of the boards for both um, programs include the Treasury Secretary, Labor Secretary, Health and Human Services Secretary, and the Acting Social Security Commissioner. So Social Security is expected to run out of funds much sooner than expected. So James, maybe we need to revise that discussion about my retirement. We'll have to wait and see. Hey, we are out of time. You're listening, uh, have been listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I want to thank James Blend, who is our producer and for this week, engineer as well. Thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day, and I hope you'll join us here tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show. And like us on Facebook. 
And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.